Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Marathon Church Podcast. We hope you're having a great day. We're having a great day here in Powdersville, South Carolina. The weather has flipped to fall, and we are ecstatic. Yes, yes. I am your host, Craig Henson, and I'm joined today by Family Ministries Pastor Jason Callahan. What's up, my peoples? And Executive Pastor Brian Cox. Hello. You guys doing all right today? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Feeling good. The weather is so good. The weather is so good, the Diet Coke is flowing. Yes, <laughs> you might hear that. <laughs> I just right. thought about that. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. The Diet Coke is actually really pertinent because you talked about Coca-Cola yesterday, Brian. I did, I yeah. did. Brought yeah. to you by Coca-Cola. Sorry, Yeah, I was surprised how many people actually love Coca-Cola. Really? Yeah. I prefer Coca-Cola over Pepsi. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I had some people raise their hand for Pepsi, and I was like, okay. Like, I know a, a, a local pastor, like, he is die-hard Pepsi, so much so that his, like, congregation on his birthday would just bring him Pepsis and really Pepsi, uh, like, shirts and things, you know, just mm-hmm. little Can trinkets. you really taste the difference? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. You can't? I mean, I kind of can. I mean, Like, if I go to a restaurant and- Yeah, uh, a little bit. I know this is not healthy, but I drink diet drinks now. Thank you to my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, and if they only have Diet Pepsi, I actually go, can I get a sweet tea? Right. Oh. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's just not, I don't know. Just, I, I'm a big Coke Zero fan. Oh, like, I, I think no. Coke Zero is the best yeah. thing ever because it almost tastes like real Coke. Right, right, yeah. right, right. I'm, I, I can't do the Diet Coke, but I'm Coke Zero. I had a I had a pastor friend in California, and it was a Dr Pepper thing. And so, like every anniversary at his church, they would fill the whole stage with Dr Pepper that day. <laughs> really, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I love but, Diet Dr Pepper. That's my go-to. Oh, like a good okay. fountain Diet Dr Pepper is great. I know this has nothing to do with your your message. Well, it, but it, in a way, it does. It does. But um, it was know. cold weather, diet drinks. Well, Coca-Cola is the second most well-known brand on the planet. Yeah. In all, yeah. In all the world. That's – but see, have you ever been to the Coca-Cola factory in Atlanta? You know, I don't remember. Really? I, I have not. I think I have. Yeah. I've went, I went a couple of times, and they have a place where you can taste the mm-hmm. different Cokes from all over. Like, you can do it in uh, – I think they were – China, maybe, or some, somewhere where they had Coke. I, I feel sorry for all of them now, because it's bad. I do remember this. I went to Cuba yeah. a long time ago Yep, yep. before it was legal to go. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. And that's what saved me was the Tropicola. Really? That's what they had was Tropicola. Wow. Did it taste like Coca Cola? It was in a bottle and it tastes like Coke enough to taste. The the taste was close enough that I that's what I drank the whole All time. time. Yeah, I was in Belize one time doing a. Oh, like you one up me? No, but I was. It yeah. reminded me. No, I'm sorry. No, I was in Belize. I'm just kidding. I was in Belize and we went on a uh, what do you call it? Like a scoop, not scuba, but mm-hmm. snorkeling. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. an hour ride out there, and. They said, we'll have snacks and refreshments. Well, those snacks and refreshments were Snickers and Coca-Colas, right? I'm not exaggerating, guys. I swear on my life. I had six Snicker bars (laughs) and eight Coca-Colas on the way there. Wow. It was. I don't know if it was a salt 
you know, like the salt air you or might, whatever. You might have been a little wired when you got there. Yeah. It was awful. Great metabolism. But, but I, the reason why you said that, or when you said that, it reminded me of like, I wonder if it's, uh, well, you just had that because of the taste. It wasn't necessarily, to me, when I had mine, it was like, I was dying of thirst because I feel like there yeah. was more salt in the air. Well, I didn't want to drink the water. Yeah, you don't want to drink the water someplace. So we used to go to Tijuana and get street tacos. You definitely don't want to drink the water down oh. there. So you get this Coke in this old bottle. It looks like it was bottled in the 70s. Yeah, that's you know? what this looked like. Yeah, yeah. It actually that's tastes great. really good, though. That's great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the Coke factory, you realize how big Coca-Cola really is. Mm-hmm. And always, like when I think Christmas... You got the Santa Claus yeah, with the Coke. Yeah, yeah, I think I do think, or the polar bear, right? Mm-hmm. In the polar yeah. bear. In there? I, think I mean, that. They, they've set marketing, you know, like a whole nother. They kind of set the bar for marketing. I think. Yeah. If you look back on, of course, now you got McDonald's and Nike and all them up mm-hmm. there, but I think Coke really set the bar for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and part of that for my message Sunday was that their mission is to have a Coke within arm's reach of every person in the world. That's their mission. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and they're pretty close to doing that, if you think about it. Like, meaning somebody in a room is going to have a code? Yeah. Yeah, you know, right now it's with arm rates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost everywhere you go, you can get yeah. a Coke, you know, in Belize. That's right. You know, I like Cuba. how you said that. That was so good. Like, you were native to the... That was cosmopolitan right yeah, there. It yeah, was, it was good. Yeah. Like, I had I, a little accent to it. You did, yeah. Belize. No, it wasn't even that. Anyway, okay. your point about Coca-Cola was though that there's there actually is a symbol that is more well known, and that's the cross. Yes, it's the number one most recognized symbol in the world is the cross. You asked me that question when you were prepping for your message, and you probably don't remember this, but you I, said, I "You said, do you know what the number one? What did you call it? Like most recognized or? symbol in the world? I thought you said I, you might have said it differently to me." Okay. But I ended up saying Disney. Yes, you did. I remember that. <laughs> but wouldn't you and think? And then when I, I told you yeah. what it was, you you felt guilty. I did. <laughs> I like, did. Oh no! I should have said the cross. <laughs> I wasn't thinking like I don't know. I mean, it makes sense though. Yeah. I mean, the cross. You know, especially like like different cultures and stuff like that. Yeah. There's the cross. Not even from a. Like spiritual sense, just the cross itself is a symbol mm-hmm. of other things. Like I feel like in different cultures. Yeah, it was kind of for me. It was it was a little uh, enlightening to think the cross is the greatest symbol, mm-hmm. the most recognized symbol. Yet <laughs> it doesn't look like it in the world, right? Right. Uh, in the sense, but I like that. When you put the two together, you know that it's also within arm's reach of what we're trying to do, what mm, Christ is trying right. to good. do for us. Yeah. He's right there with us, trying to show us that way to, to forgiveness, to freedom. Um, so that that was really my point in the message to try to, you know, embrace that story. That's one thing I kept saying Sunday was we have to embrace the story of the cross, and we see the cross every day. Right. We we're going to see it today somewhere on a building or, you know, in your home or you know, like I said, a tattoo. You have a tattoo on your arm with a I cross. I do. Not with a cross, though. Okay. I have a Bible verse, Romans eight thirty seven. Well, that's that's close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and it is of a tree, so yeah. sorta. And I, really. I said this Sunday, um, I almost did it. I mean, I wanted a cross on my arm because Todd, my friend, 
Like got, before Sunday, you almost got a tattoo? Yeah, a couple years ago. Oh, I thought you were talking not, about not, like for this message, <laughs> I was. I went to I needed college a visual. kids. <laughs> it may have come across that way, but I, I think I was in Gatlinburg and I went in a place and I said, I want a tattoo right here. And he said five hundred dollars. I'm like, five hundred. That's a that's not gonna work. That's you know? a lot. And I was glad because I was just afraid of the pain. You know, <laughs> it's not. That I think bad. that that was the tourist rate. It's not that bad. You know, it really is not. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's it feels like a, never mind. It doesn't matter. Well, I it's want one. I really do, but I don't think Brenda wants me to get it. But I'm getting another one after Sunday. Are you really? Mm-hmm. What's it gonna be? It's the uh, <laughs> made in the USA. Little teddy bear. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Is it a no. heart with mom? It's yes. <laughs> no. It's uh, I led worship, and I've been doing this song for a while. It's the uh, um, I'm in, I'm yours. Your love won't leave me here. That whole bridge, something of that. Sounds like a big tattoo. Well, it's going to be a body tattoo. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> my entire back. No, it's going to be. You're going to leave your shirt off now, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, just in case we don't have lyrics for anybody, yeah. I, just, oh, there you I go. just turn around and people can read it. The older <laughs> the I get. Was, the, the music was great yesterday, by the way. It was. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. But it inspired me. I really, I told Casey, I said, I think, I really think that's going to be my next tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to. <laughs> see that yeah right it's gonna be on my thigh That's yeah it. no i'm just kidding oh, okay <laughs> this show's changed now it really yeah. has i'm sorry yeah. so th- this over it series that we're in yeah. uh your topic yesterday was forgiven and one of the most poignant things you said was that everybody knows about the cross but the world doesn't look like we know about the cross yeah that that kind of hit me in the heart yeah. that we it, it literally is everywhere, especially here where we live. But I think in in all Western civilization, it's literally everywhere. Uh, but you couldn't tell that. You can't tell that the cross has had much effect the way the world's going right now. Yeah, and I think that was part of, for me, was like, do I live like I've experienced the cross? Mm. Do And, you know, we had that question. I don't even know if we started with that question yet, uh, where – most people ask us as pastors, as Christians, right. you know, is it possible to forgive someone? Is it possible to forgive someone that has harmed you, hurt you, lied to mm-hmm. you, cheated on you, broke their trust? You know, we've all had that happen to us. And the easy answer, and then, you know, yesterday when I asked that question, I'm getting all these nods, yes, you know, mm-hmm. from the audience. And I'm thinking, well, you're saying that, but you really don't know what you're saying mm-hmm. because we don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I mean, it's hard to find forgiveness anywhere, even in the church. You know, right. unless you do it our way, then we'll give you forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But my thing, my thought was, you know, am I really embracing the cross and the truth of the cross and what it really means? Because if I did, it would come through me and forgiveness would be there. It wouldn't be that hard to forgive if I experienced Jesus Christ. And that was part of what I was trying to say Sunday, was when you experience the cross, when you really experience forgiveness Mm -hmm. in your heart, you can't help but forgive. You know, so 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 our answer is yes to that, you know, and I think, again, it's not easy, you know, and we talked about holding a grudge, and the longer you hold a grudge, the longer it has a hold of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that. I mean, in church, in ministry, 
or just in life general. But me in ministry, I have had plenty of people hurt me, say things about me, mm-hmm. you know, misrepresent me. Right. And so what I tended to do was, you know, I'm holding on to that. And the longer I hold on to it, the, the worse it is for them, right? Hmm. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we think. Because right. it vindicates what they did to me. The longer I have that over them, okay, I got them. Right. You know, and but I found found that out to not be true at all, that it began to tear me down, weigh me down right. over the years. I mean, you guys probably can relate. Oh, but if you sure. don't deal with that, it, it it you just get frustrated, you get bitter, it, it just it just takes you emotionally down. You get mm-hmm. depressed. Yeah. And we're like, Well that's their fault that you're depressed. Well Yeah. Yeah. The problem is you have not dealt with it. You have not released that. And for me I experienced it where I got got to that point to where I had had enough of being mad. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I can't yeah. live my life mad at you anymore. Right. Okay, so I'm just going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to forgive and move on because there's freedom in that. And I'm not saying it was easy to do. I still try not to wish bad things on them. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and there's that part that comes back where you're like, oh, yeah, I, I told you so. Right. But, I, I think you make you a know, great point, too, because I think a lot of times we think we're hurting them and they're not even mm-hmm. thinking about it. Right. We're consumed with it, and it's yeah. and it's wrecking us. And they're not even they're not thinking about it at all. Right. And I I think that's something that I've I've had to learn, you know, to to move on from is. And and I know this about me. Whenever I mess up, I want all the grace and forgiveness I can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm not nearly as quick to dispense it when somebody messes up. Right. And uh, that that's been that's been a hard lesson for me to learn sometimes. And one. This idea of is it possible to forgive? There's a couple instances in my life, and I'm like, I'm still wrestling. Have I really yeah. forgiven them? I ask that question all the time. Like, uh, we moved to Florida, and we've been back for almost three years, believe it or not. And um, there's a gentleman down there uh, who was in the church. He was a pastor of a church. And, dude, he hurt me bad. He hurt my family. He hurt my son. I mean, like, like meaning verbally, he was just yeah. not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, he took money from. I mean, just like I had every reason to be mad and to be, and I was like, I'm not going to hide that at all. Like, I, yeah. I was extremely mad. And um, what you just said was like, I, I've I've woken up several mornings. Um, Going, am I over that? Am am I yeah. am I yeah. okay with that? And I don't think, honestly, I don't think that I, I, I have forgiven him because me and the Lord have had several goes at, <laughs> at back and forth kind of thing, you know. Um, but I got to a place where, mm, I would say last year, I was able to pray for him in such a way of like. God, get your revenge on him? <laughs> no, not like that. But yeah. like literally praying like, God, I feel I feel for him. Because there was a lot of backstory there. And there and I and I start to go, God, I, I know that I'm just as messed up. And I I know I probably hurt people too. And so 
once I saw that what God was doing, you know, it was it was easier for me to see. I, I need to forgive because I've been forgiven. I think one of your points was forgiven people forgive, right? Mm-hmm. right. That's the main point. And so, you know, I, I've used that and had that in my head as well. And I, if I'm out for revenge, then no. Like, I'm never going to forgive. I'm never going to see it that way. But if I'm in a posture and a mental state of going, it's not about me, then I feel like it's it's easier, if that's a, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. easier to forgive or at least um, to start praying for healing. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. wife is the – I feel like she's so good at this, is just in our own personal life of forgiveness and showing me on a daily basis what that was like and how that was for forgiveness and in, in her personal life and – She's been an example of what I what I should do, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is it's painful, uh, you know Absolutely. what I mean. And, yeah. I, and I, <clears throat> there's no way around that. But most people want that switch of a button and go, "Okay, yeah, we're good now. Let's go. Let's do yeah. it." Yeah. Um, but that's not. I don't believe that's how it works. And I think it's a process. I think that's. It's not a switch. Would no. you guys agree with that? No, I agree. Totally agree. And and this idea of revenge, yeah. getting even, it, it, it permeates our culture. Mm-hmm. And so I was it was great, Brian, that you took us to Roman twelve and talked mm-hmm. about this idea of, of avenging or vengeance and and whose job it is. Yeah. Well I'll read that a little bit Do it, yeah. and then we'll ask that question. It's like uh, Romans twelve, seventeen through twenty one. Because Paul really explains it here. He gives us a clear guide how to forgive and how not to avenge. Right. You know, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And we talked about that Sunday is that what happened to you, Chase? Yeah. What happened to me? What's happened to you is that it it was evil. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're condoning what they did to you. Right. That's right. He's saying, yeah, it was evil. You were hurt. And it and that is what it was. But don't repay it with the same evil. Right. That doesn't work. Right. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that it was, you know, it's okay to let it go or it's a, it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. Right. You know, and that that's good to acknowledge that, I think. It is. Yeah. It's good to know that what you did to me, it hurt me. It was bad. You were wrong. Okay? Yeah. I got it. And he goes on to say, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I stop there too. Live at peace with everyone. Okay, you got to be kidding me, Paul. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I yeah. mean, I can't live at peace with half the people because we don't agree on half the things. That's what most of us would say. So what I think what he's saying is not necessarily be in partnership. We don't have to always agree on everything. We don't. We don't have to be partnerships. And I used this example Sunday where if you have a business, uh, like we have a few people that own businesses, and I've talked to one recently that he had to let somebody go mm-hmm. because they were doing things mm-hmm. in the business, stealing from the business, or just. Wow. And he's like, How do I deal with that as a Christian? <laughs> I'm like, Well, you do it the most peaceful way you can. You right. sit down and say, Hey, I'm sorry, but I'm going to help you get where you need to go. I'm going to pray for you. You bring, you bring that peaceful. 
solution into it. That doesn't sound easy. Yeah, definitely. But I think that's what we should shoot for is try to do what's right, do what is peaceful. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. I love the way he adds my dear friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And that's where we stop Sunday and we ask these two questions. That's what you were talking about. Yeah. Where it says, whose job is it to avenge you? Right. I'll let y'all answer that. (laughs) Well, the Sunday school answer is it's God's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, we, we really, at, at least the way I was raised, I was raised to get even. Yeah. And I was raised by a pastor. You know? And then, PK, baby. You know, and then, then we moved to, like, a predominantly Italian neighborhood outside of Chicago, and they're all about getting even, <laughs> if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, like, now, I we're was, talking about Italian neighborhood. I don't know. It might. Yeah. <laughs> it, so, it, I mean, it. It, it it was ingrained in me right. as a child yeah. that yeah. it was my right to get even, and I I've known this this scripture my whole life, but I wasn't applying it a lot of times. I was gonna I was gonna get even, and I use that in there where it's you know the wrath of God is is that's it. I, I don't want to be if I think let's just take my scenario in the Florida, like for the longest time. Like I wanted, not necessarily to get even, but I just I wanted him to feel bad. Like I wanted him to hurt, right. like I hurt. You know what I mean? I wanted him to understand you yeah. can't treat people the way you're treating them, mm-hmm. and you are a pastor of a flock of people, and I feel bad for right. Then <clears throat> I actually did read this verse in one of my studies, and I I started feeling bad for him because it was like. No matter what, I could sue him. I could do – I mean, I had the right to do all of these right. things. But that's not my battle. You know what I mean? Like, my revenge is nothing compared to what – how he's going to be held re- responsible and accountable to God. Same thing for me. Like, I, that is more terrifying mm. <laughs> right. than any lawsuit or anything like that, in my personal opinion. And so, when I read this um, – and I heard you talk about it on Sunday. That was the first thing that popped in my head was, man, the the, I just hate that feeling of God's wrath. If that makes, yeah, I mean, yeah. he says leave room for it. I'm like, okay, right. I must be in the way, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I, I love the so way you phrased the, the second question. When you avenge yourself, whose job are you assuming? Yeah. And uh, you know, there is a God, and I'm not Him. That's right. Mm-hmm. But how often do I try to play God? How often do I try to do God's job for him? Yeah, and we're terrible at that. Gosh, all the time. <laughs> so ill-equipped, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, we make it way worse when we try to <laughs> do God's job, you know. And he says it's on, con- on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. I love- This is one of my favorite verses. <laughs> Is I love the in, way you talked about this yeah, yesterday. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. You, don't, you can't read that with, like, you know, your Sunday school. In doing this, you will heap coals on their head. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> right, you got to say it with burning coals on right. their heads. <laughs> That's right. You know, and I said Sunday when I was a kid, and I heard, I read this verse, and I honestly thought, 
if I kept being nice to someone, mm-hmm. that smoke would come out of their ears, <laughs> and I would see their hair catch on fire, and I couldn't wait. Like, yeah, I'm gonna keep being nice to you. <laughs> and but Open what? Flames. But what it means, and I think this this um, had a couple people talk to me about this verse Sunday. What it means is that forgiveness is aggressive. Mm. It's oh, an aggressive thing. Mm-hmm. It's not timid. Right. You know, it's something that you need to do. It's something that it takes boldness. It takes courage to forgive. Right. And it and when it does, it it matters is what it's saying. It really burns. It really mm-hmm. makes a difference when you truly forgive. Mm-hmm. This, you know, you are making something happen. Right. You're breaking chains mm. of the past. Your your freedom is happening. I think that's for me really stuck with me. It's like, wow, when I forgive, I'm actually releasing the power of Christ to That's change. Right, yeah. yeah. So when he said, get out of the way, well, when I get out of the way and I forgive, God's doing something. Yeah. You know? But we need to be prepared to not see that immediately. Well, like, explain. Like, okay, like when you see someone punch somebody, there's an, <laughs> there's an obvious like, ooh, they're paying for something that they did. You see what yeah, I mean? I got yeah. you. Where yeah. when you get out of the way and you let God do <laughs> yeah. what he can do, which is far greater, but we can't ultimately see it right away, you're going, well, I guess they won. You know, as a human mind and human eyes, yeah, absolutely. you're seeing that. And so I think you have to not train, but I do think that you have to be aware of your of your spiritual being mm-hmm. and spiritual life in order to see – that moment in its completion, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. No, I like, think train is a good word. It's a word that Paul used often. Yeah. Train yourself in these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it was uh, – I'll make a statement here. Like, it was it was about my purpose. I think that's what it came down to, speaking of training my mind. Like, I had to – after I had counseling and mentors in, in my life that were telling me, like, you are – right now, when I was upset and mad and, you know, just – wanting to you know have my revenge it was you're more focused on your points than you are your purpose and i heard a i heard a pastor say that too not too long ago and i was like gosh yes like everything that i've worked for everything that god's assigned me to do and all that that's going down the toilet because i'm so focused on my points and my mm -hmm. preferences and, and and even now in today's world like we've got to be more kingdom minded and we need to be training our minds and stuff in every situation. I talked with a uh, a couple yesterday and I was like you got to wake up every morning and choose to put on the righteousness that's, of God. Yeah, that's it. It's your choice and and I need to if you're going to forgive then you're not you're not going to worry so much about the points that's where we get out of the way and let mm-hmm. God do what only he can do and we start focusing yeah. on our purpose. Yeah, that's good. Now, okay, I was go. laughing over here, okay. not at you, okay. because when you said punch, okay, I introduced that gift on Sunday. Yeah. Graphic, interchangeable formats, a movable text and image, and a text message. And I don't know if y'all remember, y'all saw this, right? Oh, yeah. On Sunday. The teddy bear. Yeah. I had a lot of people ask me about that. I bet. Really? Yeah. yeah it says... Um, you know, what do you do when somebody asks you how's life going? And uh, it was a someone dressed up as a cuddly teddy bear 
with a baseball bat beating a punching bag and it was the most liberating thing for me to watch. That's awesome. And in fact, I'm sitting there, we're watching it before the service, me and my friend Tim. And mm-hmm. Tim said, man, that is so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I know, man. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I know that kind of took us another way. No, but, that's good. But I'm just thinking that's how we feel about forgiveness. That's really how we, you know, you could see it in people's faces Sunday. I don't want to talk about this. I just oh, want to yeah. beat somebody up, you know. I just want to get mad and stay mad because it seems a lot easier to do, right? And it is, I think. But unless and, you're the one getting beat, unless you're, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you're getting hit, and I think we have to change that mindset, you yeah. know. And in fact, it comes to that next part there. Uh, do not over be overcome by evil. He gives us two choices. Mm-hmm. Paul does. Uh, but overcome evil with good. Now you can hold that grudge, or you can, you know, let it just, you know, get into you, get a part of you. You know, we talked about Sunday. You can just become negative after negative, and bitter after bitter, and right. for long, you you turn over to evil. Mm-hmm. You're overcome by evil. That's another thing I don't want in my life. Right. That bitterness. If I don't bitterness, I don't do something with it. It's going to overcome me. Right. So he said, be overcome, but overcome evil with good mm-hmm. that's another thing forgiveness brings is that we, we're, we're doing good we're overcoming that's hard to do very yeah you yeah. know um, but very important I think and you said if you don't overcome evil with good evil will overcome you yeah it's going to be one or the other yeah you have a choice mm-hmm. every day like you said Chase you have yeah. a choice you know well and that I talked about monsters not too long ago, how mm-hmm. to hug a monster and all yeah. that. And I've been using that analogy <laughs> ever since ever since that time. Mm-hmm. And and one of this even this, I feel like unforgiveness is a monster. Absolutely. And you, the silent man, monster. I was going to say, like you, you don't even know that it's there, and you don't even realize that you are befriending it. But because you go, I can't get over this. If I can't beat it, then I'm going to join it. Yeah. And it silently kills you. And it, and it, it, it watch, watch it separate you, not just from other relationships, but separates you be, from your relationship with God. And he's never going to leave you, but you are always constantly trying to go the opposite way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get it. You gave us this great example, uh, Louis Zamperini. Um, yeah. It, it's it's an older story now, but it, it it may be the best modern story of forgiveness that we have. Um, he was a prisoner of war that was tortured, mm-hmm. and um, as we we know, the only way he could overcome this and forgive his torturer mm-hmm. was because of Christ. But talk a little bit about him, Brian. I know that story's close yeah, to your heart. I, I love history, and, and it's always fascinated me. And I saw this movie. Uh, and it's a book. Read the book a couple of years ago. Unbroken. Unbroken. Yeah. And um, I'm just fascinated when we talk about forgiveness. And we we said that in the beginning. Is it possible? Well, when you see this story, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. possible. Yeah. I mean, whatever your story may be, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat mm-hmm. Louis Zamperini's right. story mm-hmm. of forgiveness. And it really, really just blew my mind. That the power of the cross, 
when you really experience Jesus, what is possible. And yeah, I'll tell you, I'll say a little bit of the story just, just so people know. Um, but yeah, he was an Olympic runner in 1936, uh, actually in the uh, um, Berlin Olympics. He even shook hands with Hitler, by the way. Wow. Because Hitler liked the way he ran, so he said, I want to meet him. Thought that was crazy. crazy. That's weird. And so he was he was <laughs> destined to be the gold medalist in nineteen forty, but World War One or World War Two came along and that didn't happen. So he joined the Air Corps and he was a bombardier in the Air Corps. And this one particular day they uh took a plane for a rescue mission and he talks about how the plane wasn't really in that good a shape. <laughs> they didn't want to take it, but they did it anyway. And uh, about 800 miles from Hawaii is when they crashed in the ocean. It killed everyone on board except Louis Zapparini uh, and I think the pilot and the gunner. Uh, and so they were in a raft. They drifted on a raft for 47 days, 2,000 miles. Uh, he talks about that experience of sharks hopping in the raft and having to beat the sharks away and mm. Uh, eating seagulls and stuff because that's the only way they could survive. And he remembers one night just looking at the stars, just laying in the ocean, looking at the stars. And he said, God, if you rescue me, I'll give you my life. Wow. And so, well, the next few days he was rescued, but by the Japanese Navy. And so, yeah, thank you, God. And so for the next two years, he lived in a Japanese prison. But when he got there, what was interesting is that the commander, Matsushura Watanabe, I think I got that right. You, that was good, I'm man. Um, recognized who it was. He said, this is Louis Zamperini. He's the Olympic runner. So we're going to make an example of him. So all his hate, everything he had for America, he just put it all on him. In fact, they would repeatedly punch him every day. Mm. Stand him up and punch him. In fact, a couple of instant, a couple of things in the book talk about how he would beat Louis with a belt, and he would crack the skull one time, and and then he'd stand it back up, clean him up, and do it again. And he did it for two years, constant torture. And Louis got to the point he's had enough. You know, he said, "Well, I, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plot to kill him. I'm going to kill Watanabe." And then before he got to do that. Uh, one day, American planes started flying over the camp, and they realized the war was over, and he was free. And so he came home. He was a great hero. Came home. He traveled, selling war bonds, uh, got married, had a little girl. You know, life was looking better for him. But what happened uh, over time, that hate, that's what we talk about, that grudge, yeah. that is much bigger than a grudge, I'm sure, for him, you know, it started eating away at him till he started having nightmares, and he would have dreams of Watanabe coming in his room. Mm-hmm. And one night, he he reached and, and stra- started strangling his wife in her bed because he thought it was him. And wow. he was just losing his mind with these nightmares, if you can imagine. Yeah. And so he started drinking alcohol. He said, "That's the only way I could go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I just had to drink myself to sleep." So it became a problem mm-hmm. to where he was about to lose his marriage and. His wife told him one day, he said, I want a divorce. I can't deal with this anymore. So, you know, he was just at his lowest point, you know. And, well, his wife had went to a crusade the next day, 
And it was a Billy Graham crusade, 1948, Los Angeles wow. revival. It, if you read about the revivals, it's it's really a very uh, popular one they talk about yeah, in those sure. days. I think it lasted for many days. Um, but she came home. She said, Louie, she said, I went to this revival. I became a Christian. I'm not going to divorce you now. But you have to go with me. Okay? You have to go with me. He's like, I, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't want nothing to do with it. She said, but, you know, wives are persistent. You know, you're going <laughs> with me. So he went with her that night. Didn't like it. You know, he's like, I don't like it. You know, it's not going to do it. So they came home, and she said, really, go with me one more time. Just go with me one more time. And she was persistent enough that he went. He said, but when he says the prayer, bow your heads, you know, close your eyes, I'm leaving. He said, because that's when they pick your pocket. Yeah. That's when the Christians take your money is when you bow your head, close your eyes, the pickpockets come out. Okay? So when that happened, he turned around and walked out. And as he got to the back, he remembered what he had said on that raft that day. He remembered, and it's like this voice was reminding him, remember what you said? If I rescued you, you would live for me. Wow. And he said, in that moment, I turned around, walked down the aisle, got on my knees before Billy Graham and accepted Christ. And he said, at that moment in my life, I felt this peace that came over me, that went into my heart. He said, all the hate I had turned into love. He said, I don't know how to explain it, but it went from hate to forgiveness. And when that's when I talk about that moment in the message, when you embrace the cross, right. and that's what Louis did, when he went to the cross, when you experience the forgiveness and the love that Christ had for you, you can't help but let it flow through you. You know? That's and, it. And you want me to keep going with that story? <laughs> but... I mean, it's just so when I saw that, I'm like, forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness it is, is possible, possible. Yeah. for him to do that. Sure, any of us can forgive. Um, so what happened to him? It changed his life. Uh, a few years later, he went back to Japan in 1952. This is a really great story in the book too. And he went to visit the guards that were war criminals now that had beat him. Mm. And there's a picture of it. I only could find As one. Then, yeah. That he's standing there and he's telling each of them one by one, shaking their hand, saying, I forgive you. That's amazing. I forgive you. And many of those found Christ that day because of that. Now, Watanabe wasn't there. I didn't get to tell the rest of this Sunday, but they thought he had committed suicide and he wasn't there. And so you know, he didn't get to talk to him. But a few years later, 1997, a 60 Minutes reporter found Watanabe alive. Oh, wow. And he asked Louis Zamperini, would you write him a letter? So that's what Louis did. He he wrote him a letter. And uh, I don't know if you want me to read it. Yeah, please do. I didn't get to read it Sunday. We didn't have time. Yeah. yeah. But it's a really great way to hear his words talk about forgiveness. You know, it, it's a it's a powerful thing. I got it here somewhere. And this is a letter that they sent to Watanabe. He said, to Mashura Matsushura Watanabe, as a result of my prisoner of war experience under your unwarranted and unreasonable punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering as it was 
the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights, not only as a prisoner, but as a human being, were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain enough dignity and hope to live post-war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble, but thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love replaced hate I had for you. I love that. Hmm. As you probably know, I returned to Japan in 1952 and was graciously allowed to address all the Japanese war criminals at Sugamo Prison. I asked him about you and was told that you probably had committed Harikiri, which is a suicide, Their suicide Japanese yeah. suicide, mm-hmm. which I was sad to hear. At that moment, like the others, I also forgave you and now would hope that you would become a Christian. Signed, Louis Zamperini. I just thought that was powerful. That's phenomenal. You know, that he experienced forgiveness so much that he could give it away to someone who did so much to him. Mm-hmm. You know, that really, it really affected me and Absolutely. changed me to think that what I'm dealing with is really, it's not you know, and it just it made me, it, it pointed me, I'll say this for me personally, it pointed me to the cross. It pointed me to stay near the cross. And I want to stay close as I can to that. Because mm-hmm. when we start moving away from God, we start moving and trying to avenge and trying to live our lives without Christ, that's what's going to happen. And I think for Louis, he had to understand, i got to stay near the cross. Mm-hmm. i got to yeah. understand and not forget that forgiveness that was given to me. You know, so. I do think that surrender is a big part of that. Yeah. Like when you surrender, that's when you can forgive. Because I know people mm-hmm. even now they'll say that they have forgiven, but they're forgiven on their their term. Their forgiveness is on their terms, right? And what it looks like, it, it's not a unconditional forgive. It's a for you're forgiven, even though you did this. That you know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. was like it's always conditional. That's always I'm going to bring up what you did, you know. Um, I know people like that, and people that I love that <laughs> it, it is conditional. And I feel like when there is complete surrender, yeah, for, that's right, a posture of the heart, you know, that's where forgiveness mm-hmm. truly takes over. And that's man, that's so hard. Like I was just, in my head I, when I listen to stories like that, like I'm mentally visualizing and things like that, and mm-hmm. it just I can't comprehend that. No, yeah. it's, that's it's that's where the miracle of of Christ yeah. and His love. In fact, I I have four things you want me to yes, share. Those please do four ways we can do that. They're not easy ways. You know, you talk about conditions, but right. they're not easy ways. But I think this really tells us what Paul is saying in a way we can break it down. Embrace God's forgiveness for you. I think that's what He did. That's it. Yeah, that's the he, key. He, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm not that great. I'm I, I need God's forgiveness, just like everybody else. And I think some of us need to f- forgive ourselves. We need to step near the that's cross point, and man. embrace that. <laughs> yes, that's a- and, and I'm saying, and when you embrace that forgiveness, the next step happens. It, mm-hmm. It's called forgive because you have been forgiven. You know, forgiving people, forgiven, forgiving people, forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And then the third thing, let God avenge you. Okay, don't do God's job. 
Yep. Get out of the way. I like that. Yeah. And then the last thing, overcome evil with good. You know, not easy. So that you know? way burning coals will be on <laughs> That's their ears. Right. <laughs> so s- smoke will come out of their ears. Yeah. <laughs> Wait no. for the fire. <laughs> no, Brian, that was really good, dude. It like, was an amazing message. It really was. It, was. it was good. And, I, and we ended the, um, the morning with Crowder's song, Forgiven, yeah. which yeah. is Great. just a... I've had multiple people ask me, "Hey, yeah. what was that song?" You know, and uh, you should have sang some of it. No on the podcast. No, no, no? But, yeah, <laughs> you can go and watch it. Yeah, that's right. No, the uh, there's a line in that song that says, uh, "I'm the one who held the nail." Oh yeah, you know, yeah. It was cold between my fingertips. There's such a there is so many lines in that song that are they're personal to me. Mm-hmm. And um, with a hammer in my hell, hands, you look at me, arms open. Saying you're forgiven, yeah, and and that's huge. And then the second verse, there's, I've done things that that I sh- you know shouldn't do. I've seen things that I shouldn't seen. Yeah, and just the thought of His amazing grace helps me cry yeah. out, Jesus, you know, forgive me. And uh, I don't know. It was such a it was it was such a great moment of mm. of surrender. You know, I, I see some pictures of people with their arms up, and I can't help but think, you know, when when you are in need of rescue, the first thing you do is you're waving your arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I saw a couple of pictures where where people you know are have their hands raised, and and I know people are are struggling, and and I see that. And one lady said, you know, I wasn't going to come to church today. Just I just wasn't. And what's crazy is um, her husband <laughs> uh, went on before her, right? And she ended up locking her keys in her car for the first time in her entire life. And it, it was a situation where he had to come back and get her. And so huh. to come wow. come to church, hear a message about forgiveness within their context was like yeah. amazing. Yeah. And so wow. God's just, we cannot see what God is doing yeah. in yeah. every person's life. And so I think your message Sunday was perfect with. Not just even about forgiveness, but also about surrender. Like yeah. in your own personal life. I think life that's what I got more than anything. Yeah. Was, sure. I want to be with Christ. Right, I want to stand right. next to him. Right. I want to experience that forgiveness it's all the huge. time. It was, just a, it was a great, great morning. Yeah. And the message Good was day. so powerful. And I, I felt as the week went on, I could feel this. Ha- I, the devil was going to fight this. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he fought us with some production things at drive in and just different things. And the, the devil does not want that message out mm-hmm. uh, because it is so powerful. And, and I believe lives were changed because yeah. of it. And by the way, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard Sunday's message, you can hear it here on this podcast. You can go back and watch it on Facebook or YouTube. And we encourage you to do so uh, again. It's a fantastic message that you guys need to hear. Uh, and I have the honor this Sunday of wrapping up our yes. Over It Syria series. And I'm going to yes. talk about complaining. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got a good one. We're going to yeah. see if we can uh, get over grumbling. Jeez. But I'm also going to try to put a nice bow on the entire series. So, I don't think I want to hear um, about that. You don't think so? Are you I'm complaining? just complaining. <laughs> it's awesome. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Would you please like, subscribe, uh, leave us a rating? 
if you don't have our Marathon Church app, get our app. Uh, it's the best way uh, to keep up with all things Marathon, and it's the best way to share content with your friends and family. And uh, we'd love to answer your questions. If you have a question, email us at info at marathonchurch.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great week.